Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. Here again with Tim Beadle, my friend, and we are going to continue a discussion we started last time about multiplication. And we discussed really God's heart for multiplication that we see right from the time of the garden through the nation of Israel up to the Great Commission, that it's not just about additional reproduction. It's about multiplying ourselves and filling the earth and the heavens with the glory of God. And we unpack some of what that looks like. But we want to get a little, get really down practical with that right now. And, And I asked some questions at the end of the last session we want to explore further. And so, Tim, I want to get you to thinking along the lines of multiplication, which is inherent to disciple making. Disciple making is multiplication. That's right. Let's say in a church context, first of all, uh, the staff were told by the lead pastor, even maybe by the board of elders or depending how the polity works, regardless of what your other job is, you know, if you are, you know, facilities overseer overseeing this program or that program, we want you to give 25% of your time to focus disciple making, that you are actually engaged in making disciples and multiplying, where would that person start? What would they actually do week to week? Yeah, you know, this is this is the, uh, the pressing question of our time related to this, because the reason that you're asking is that, is that most people wouldn't know where to start. They would look to the programs of the church and also the metrics that have been set up in the church. Uh, most people think that, you know, the work of you know, leading someone to Jesus, that as soon as they cross the line of faith and Jesus through his spirit is drawing all people, Jesus said, if the son of man be lifted up, I will draw all men, women and children to myself. But unfortunately, uh, the, the practice of the church and in the, the personal person's understanding of making a disciple that makes a disciple is somewhat short-sighted and short-circuited because Practically and functionally, we believe that once they cross the line of salvation, the job is done. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas really, uh, it's just begun. Like, like can you imagine of, uh, you know, in the church nursery, you've got all these new babies uh, and you need volunteers. Like the ratio for, for small children in a church is like really high, like one per two. Uh, you get into the adult congregation you can do you know for small groups one to ten one to twenty one to twenty five and 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 the, and the same thing is is that that spiritual life commences at conversion and eternal life begins then as well but that's just the beginning of the journey darren and and unfortunately we've sort of made it the finish line and because of that uh we give programs to people to, you know, to grow in their faith, to get in small groups, to get in what I call the general population of, of the local church. Uh, but I have rarely, if ever, seen a church lay out specifically for those who really want to follow Jesus and grow to mature, maturity, how that full cycle goes to the point that then they can replicate themselves and go and find people. And even if they don't find people, uh, work with people wherever they are in the system. So so here we go. There, there's four types of people under the sun, as it were, related to their spiritual condition. Uh, Dan Spader and Sun Life Ministries over the years has done a lot of work in this. But 
basically, uh, people are either in the family or they're not. Mm -hmm. We would say they're saved or they're on their way to being saved. And our role in living a life uh, of attractional, uh, of being attractional for Jesus is to live a life of invitation whereby we're always having this this, uh, thought in our mind, come and see, come and see. It's it's invitational. Come and learn more about Jesus. Now, obviously, um, some pretty good things happen in the church. So so we've always said, well, come come to church with me because maybe I'm not fluent enough to describe what I'd love for you to know about Jesus and, and the Christian life. And so, uh, you know, a lot of churches spend a lot of time in outreach and evangelism, and that that's great. But as soon as someone comes into the church, unfortunately, it's, it's almost like they're systematized. And then if we can get them to do a membership class, but before that, they have to be baptized. The, the, these are the finish lines. And so if we can get them to be baptized, whatever that means for these people, because most people in the church, it seems they, they wait till they're way down the road, and then it becomes a matter of obedience to go back and be baptized uh, because they think, I have to reach a certain level of maturity to really follow Jesus. That is not a biblical principle. Or no, model. baptism is the start of following Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you read, you read it, scripture. It's, it's right? the first act of obedience, actually. Yeah, but but see how we've, we've blurred the lines in, in the biblical... Uh, the bi- bi- biblical um, developments of, of people, they come and they identify them, even though they're, they're still young in their faith. And then then in the church, we try to make them become members. We standardize them to the, uh, to the behavior and the beliefs of the church. Um, now, I believe we should be members of a local congregation. We should support that local congregation. But but uh, the, the universal church in, in, in Scripture is uh, when you're part of God's family, you're part of the family. And I think we, we continue that familial theme by, uh, you know, you read uh, Paul's writing and you have those who are babes in Christ. So they're, they're new in their faith. And uh, what do we do practically for them? Well, for, for a baby, just hang out with them. You got to clean their messes. Uh, because they don't know how to behave properly, right. uh, as it were. Uh, you have to feed them properly, nourish them, and then you'll teach them how to walk and talk. I think that's uh, the role of mature Christians for those who are coming along. Unfortunately, we get caught up in their physical attributes and natural abilities, and we whip people into leadership because of lack of volunteerism in the church, and they're not ready yet. Hmm. But uh, this is what we need to do. And depending on their eagerness to not only take in the food, the word of God, but to digest it, to learn to walk as Jesus walked. Um, Unless we do that, what happens is we end up with a lot of carnal Christians in the church who, as Paul said, I I, I wish I could give you meat, but you're not ready for it yet. I still got to give you milk. And so uh, this is the challenge. At some point, when when Jesus called uh, his disciples in Matthew unto himself, He said, come follow me. Now, they they had been hanging out with Jesus, following him. And that's sort of the second stage, come and see and then follow. Yeah, some people assume that the first thing he said to these guys was follow me. But there have been pretty clearly a previous interaction. Yeah, you know what? If you you look at at the life of Jesus, this happened 18 months in, which surprises people because this story is always at at the beginning of the gospel. This was 18 months in. And he called them. And the reason they left their their nets immediately is because they had a pre-existing followership. 
to the point that Jesus said, come follow me and I'm going to change something. I'm going to invite you into ministry with me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. They were fishermen. They understood the language. But here we have uh, a sign of multiplication. You know, when you go out to fish, <laughs> maybe like me, if I catch one, that's a good day of fishing. <laughs> but uh, not for fishermen. That's why they have big nets so that they can. Uh, so sometimes I challenge people when it comes to disciple making. I say, what is your net worth in disciple making? Uh, how many fish could you actually hold, as it were? Uh, but this was the next level of training towards maturity. This would be like a young, mature man or women who, who get the basics of the faith, but they're ready for more. Mm. And we entrust them. Usually what we do is we train them how to be leaders in the church, but we don't train them in how to even help those younger babes in Christ develop to the point that they are. You know, being a leader is, or a mentor is simply leading person uh, a person who will follow you. And to lead someone, you only have to be one step ahead of them. Right. And so here's this next stage of not only getting people involved in ministry and we need leaders in the church, but at that point, we also need to train them how God is drawing others to himself in Jesus called evangelism or the come and see segment. But also when people cross the line of faith, how you immediately need to walk with them and help them grow. And, and as you're doing that, you're actually being uh, mentored because when you're young adults, you want responsibility and then you want to be left to do it yourself. And, and that's the final step where, where you have developed so you can be a spiritual parent. And being a parent means that you're a continual learner, but you understand the process of those coming to Jesus, what the characteristics are of a young babe in Christ, uh, like a child in the faith. And then as those who mature, uh, what their characteristics are. And then you give them assignments. Jesus sent out, you know, the 12, he sent out the 72 on little assignments to, to go and uh, live out and practice what you've learned. You know, in, in the church, we send uh, kids on STMs, you know, these short-term missions to expose them. Well, well, we should have uh, discipleship STMs where, where we send people out uh, to share their faith and to walk with those who are young in their faith as well. Mm. No, no, absolutely. I hear you on that. You know, with, with Jesus, I mean, you're using the, the family metaphor for disciple making here, but the picture with Jesus really, as you've described it, is an apprenticeship metaphor. Yeah. Not even a metaphor. It is an apprenticeship. It's actually a true apprenticeship. And and we know when Jesus said, follow me, there was an understanding that he was calling them to an apprenticeship. They were, you know, a disciple is a student, is a follower. Follow me and learn to do what I'm doing. Yeah. In, in all that I've spoken we continue to focus on Jesus, see how he did it. And the principles are, trans, you know, principles are principles. Uh, when I was in Bible college, uh, they said programs, there are many principles are few. Programs always change, but principles never do. So the principles that Jesus taught in his day, they work today because a principle never changes. Paul said, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah. So there, so, so we never sort of develop our own disciples, our own followers. We're all followers of Jesus. We're just at different stages in that journey. And, uh, you know, using the, the family metaphor, you know, Jesus is at the head of the table. He invites us to sit with him. And he, eventually he wants us 
to go and develop our own tables with others who can sit around and we develop them and yeah. and and that that that's how this multiplication happens. But but you notice I haven't spoken, Darren, about any programs in the church. Hmm. Uh, programs in the church are vital for helping us understand uh, how we can actually disciple a lot of people at the same time. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have that strategy. Um, you know, in Matthew 11, uh, r- right after Jesus went into Jerusalem on, on Palm Sunday, he went into the temple, looked around, didn't like what he saw. The scripture says before, uh, because it was late, he went out uh, that night to Bethany. And, and then we, we read this. The next morning, Jesus got up and he was hungry. And on his way to Jerusalem, it says, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if it had any fruit. And, and upon reaching the tree, he saw that it only had leaves, no fruit, and he cursed the tree. And his disciples heard him say, may you never uh, bear fruit again. Now, was Jesus having a bad day or what? It sure sounds like it, doesn't it, on first reading? Yeah, but I think Jesus was using this fig tree because the, if you actually study fig trees in the day of Jesus, they only grew leaves when they bore fruit at the same time. So if you found a fig tree full of leaf but without fruit, it was very sick. And I think, uh, excuse my corny humor, Jesus was speaking figuratively here of that big leafy temple that he was going to set straight that day. Hmm. And unfortunately, if you look at the the, uh, ministries of our church, we're doing a lot of things and a lot of good things, but they're like leaves. Leaves are really good on the tree. For photosynthesis, they protect the uh, fruit from the sun. But to have a fruit tree, it's called a fruit tree because not only is it to bear fruit, but it's to create fruit that will bear other fruit trees. Hmm. And unfortunately, um, if Jesus were to look objectively in our churches, we have a lot of things going on and they're good, but they're like the leaves on a tree. And if you look at uh, the metrics we use in the local church to actually measure success, uh, most of the metrics have to do with leaves. And not fruit. Now, we may talk about conversions and baptisms, and then that's helpful. But we don't talk about those who are becoming mature disciple makers. And I think that's the downfall in the local church today. Yeah. Well, well I would say, I think con- conversions, we think, you know, evangelism is hard. Yeah. But it's way easier than disciple making. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like evangelism is a part of disciple making. It's not the full picture. And so, you know, it can be hearing you say this, you know, putting my, putting as a pastor, putting on my pastor hat, or even just a non-pastor follower of Jesus, that can feel heavy. I know. You know, it can feel like, man, this is, it's hard enough to evangelize, much, much less make a disciple. Like, uh, give me some hope here. <laughs> like, well, why, why, why even start? It seems overwhelming. Yeah, not, not only give us hope, but, but give us some examples of people who are doing it in the local church. Hmm. If we did have examples who could articulate with passion, like, like this isn't our work. This is God's work through us, Darren. So this isn't like a make work project to keep us on the straight and narrow until Jesus returns. This is to be the bread and butter of what we're about in the local church. And I know, and I, I know in previous conversations, we've talked about how, you know, the weekend worship service seems to be the main attraction in church and everything sort of comes secondary to that. But if I were to draw a, a, a diagram of the paradigm of how I believe the biblical New Testament church should function, disciple making should be in the middle. Hmm. And everything sort of emanates around that. Every ministry, every gathering is somehow 
uh, documented in the process of making disciples and make disciples. And so I do challenge, and I have some tools in this regard, uh, where we, you do a program audit of your church, just understand its purpose. And then all of a sudden you realize we're doing virtually nothing in the church at all to actually train people how to become disciple makers. Well, you, I mean, you're echoing back to the, you know, the old days of Sun Life where they had what they call the 80% problem, yep. where they evaluated 100 churches and categorized all their programs along the lines of whether winning, building, equipping, or multiplying. You know, winning the yep. loss, building believers, equipping workers, or multiplying disciples. Yeah. And in 80% of the churches, everything they did fit into the category of building believers. Yeah. Is there that was again? no reaching of new people and no equipping of workers and certainly no multiplying. And that was, you know, they call that the 80% problem. Yeah, and I, I respectfully call those people SOBs, <laughs> spiritually obese believers, uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a mentality, uh, the consumeristic mentality in the church today, that you, you you go on Sunday and you come out and some people say, well, I didn't get fed today, as if, you know, it's, it, it's the sole responsibility of, of the church to keep you f- fed and nourished. Uh, if anything, years ago when... Uh, uh, Willow Creek Church did a reveal study and talked about how we have to train people to be self-feeders. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, uh, people today just want the next study to grow. And, and it's quite a, a, a self-focused uh, spiritual experience. And when you do that long enough, you never feel like you'll be ready because there's so much more you can learn. And so uh, we sort of have to push them out of the nest respectfully. And by a few people modeling how it happens. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit, if there's a bit of kindling in the fire, he'll set it ablaze. And so that's my prayer in these days, not, not to make people feel guilty, but, but, but to show them what it looks and feels like when people tell, come to Christ and then they go and bring others to Christ and then they grow in maturity and gets a bit messy. But that's what family life is all about. And I think that's what disciple making, the thrill of disciple making is all about as well. Yeah. Well, you remind me of... Uh... John Maxwell saying too, you know, with this idea of not being fed, it's not, you don't need more food, you need more exercise. There <laughs> you, know, you go. To apply what we've learned, you know, and, and move out there and actually, you know, and actually do it. But I, but I think something you said there, you, you use the phrase messy. I think disciple making is messy, as is, as is true evangelism. That Whereas we like to categorize and compartmentalize and systematize and make it really organized and clear yeah. and predictable and Disciple making is not easily programmed. I think we can uh, organize the church. And you know what? Um, If the Lord wasn't part of it, we'd still have a pretty robust organizational church program and system. And Mm. we uh, we have to be on our knees before the Lord and totally reliant on the Holy Spirit. He is at work all the time. And we have to believe that. And if we believe that, we have to perceive what the Spirit is up to. And we have to go and... Uh, be drawn towards where his visible work is being done. But like bamboo, if you're a farmer of bamboo, you plant the seeds and nothing happens for a whole long time. But all of a sudden it springs up several feet a day because the seeds have been nurtured. So, you know, we, we could have another podcast about the cultivation stage and the planting stage and all the rest of it. But I think we've sort of covered some of the practical. I've tried to be very practical here. Um, of some of the things that we can do, believing all the time that the Holy Spirit is always active mm. and inviting us on his journey. He compliments what we're doing. Uh, we compliment what he's doing. And at the end of the day, uh, people are finding Jesus. And I pray 
growing to maturity and becoming disciple makers of others. Amen. I'd, I'd ask you to give us some hope there. I think that's a good place to land. And that is a place of hope because as followers of Jesus, we're indwelt by the spirit. He wants to fill us and control us and empower us yeah. to that end, to lift up Jesus, to draw people to him and to multiply. That's his heart too. And that's so right. it's not like we're, we're begging him to do something he doesn't want to do. <laughs> when the spirit came, you got it. power where the spirit comes in you, you be my witnesses. That's part of the commission to go and make disciples, and, and that's really what he's about. And that's what happened in the early church. It was, it was, it was a contagious experience uh, that shocked people. And, uh, you know, even even the, uh, the priests in the synagogues were coming and finding faith because it was a movement that was ablaze by the Spirit of God. Mm. Amen. It's a great place to land. That's, uh, that's yeah. a great prayer just to pray for that fire, not yes. just for doing church not just even for evangelism but a fire to make disciples to multiply ourselves to fulfill the reason for which creation is here multiplying people multiplying uh, souls in relationship with their creator for god's glory and i look forward to digging into this further yeah exploring what it means to be a disciple and make disciples thanks for sharing again tim so much from your from your heart today it's my pleasure thanks for joining us For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.